Welcome, this is Tapping into Creativity, a podcast in which we explore the magic that happens when creativity, art and education meet. We are a group of professionals and pioneers from Ireland, Greece, Serbia, Austria and the Netherlands working together. By sharing stories, we hope to learn about successful practices throughout Europe and inspire you with the lessons learned. I am Manja Eland and I am Linda Rosen. We are your hosts. Let's step into today's episode where we had a lovely talk with Susan and Denise from Ireland. Linda, can you share something you take away from that conversation? What stuck with me the most is how Susan understands both fields of work. She identifies as a hybrid, as we say, meaning a teacher and an artist, which I think is a wonderful combination in working with children. Specifically, the story she told us about where the child that in arts project showed something that was happening in his life and how it still moved her, how the child was given the space to feel and show the feelings, still gives me goosebumps. That's so lovely. I also, so this is an example where they were facilitating a project and seeing something happen to a child. But I also really liked a moment when Denise shared her story, her personal story from when she was young and how she experienced how the arts and someone seeing what you're capable of how that can influence you and how you can grow from that experience so i really hope this conversation will spark that in more people Today, we are talking to Susan O'Keefe, the Denise Blake from Ireland. Let me start with asking Susan, could you please introduce yourself first to our listeners? Hi, everybody. Yes, Susan O'Keefe here, and I'm just connecting to you from Ireland, Waterford, uh, south of Ireland, and tapping into creativity. I suppose my whole background, I'm a classroom teacher. Originally, my degree was in art and design and geography, actually. So a nice mixture of a half and half mindset. And it wasn't until 2014 that I kind of got introduced to Teach Artist Partnership. And now, Denise, could you introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Denise Blake and I'm in Donegal in Ireland, which is the north of the county. I'm a poet and a memory writer and now I'm a facilitator. I go and visit schools. I didn't start writing until I was in my 30s. I was born in America. Our family moved back to Ireland when I was 11. And at that time, all the knowledge that I had was wrong. My history, my geography, the way I spelled, the way I wrote, the way I talked. I didn't have Irish. So I'm very conscious of that in a classroom that not everyone, just because they don't have that particular knowledge, doesn't mean they aren't intelligent or creative. When I was in my 30s, I went back to adult education. And luckily for me, it was a foundation course. And luckily for me, there was English. And the teacher showed us Seamus Heaney poetry, which is my idol. And I'd never heard of the poet before. And something triggered in me that I started to write. And I've been very, very fortunate. I was able to do a master's in creative writing. And gradually, I started to visit schools, and I absolutely love that experience in the classroom. And I'm very aware of every child in the class, not just the child that seems to be the brightest. And it is wonderful. Children love seeing the artist coming into the room, and I love doing the experience. And then in later years, became involved with TAP. I'm one of the last recruits into it, and it's a wonderful experience as well. I hear you both. Speaking about TAP, and I think our listeners are curious to hear what TAP means. Could you speak about that? Maybe, Susan, can I ask you? Yeah, that's no problem. So TAP is abbreviation for Teacher Artist Partnership, T-A-P, TAP. And it was, I suppose, launched because in 2013, the education charter was launched in Ireland. Um, I suppose what that brought about was a whole understanding that we need to kind of push education I suppose, arts education to another form. 
And that institute or that document actually was the basis for research led by Dr. Dorothy Morrissey and Alva Kenny. And I suppose I was lucky enough to work with the two of them because I was part of the initial research. So they were started their research in 2013 and then we kind of came on board that summer of 2014. So there was six of us teachers and six artists in total and we were kind of paired up according to our area. And we formed a relationship for a week where we were understanding what Teacher Artist Partnership was, what was the research about, what was Alva and Dorothy, I suppose, Dr. Doc, I should be calling him Dr. I suppose, Dr. Kenny and Dr. Marcy, what was their whole philosophy or their aim was basically not necessarily the child at first and foremost, but it was about how the benefit of the skill set of a teacher and the skill set of an artist coming together, that their creative partnership between them could actually enhance education education for children in the schools so it's a different take on it the kids are the main point at the end but initially it's the idea that that partnership together actually will have a knock-on effect and enhancement I suppose understanding within the arts so yeah that was where we are so I've been on that journey since 2014 where we did our initial training and then we went into schools and we did our first teacher arts partnership plan together and then it's kind of grown from there. So we're now in 2000 and Jeannie Mac, what are we in? 2021. <laughs> we're yes. still going. Yeah. How many teachers have you partnered with? So I'm a facilitator. So I had one artist to begin with. And then from there, we were initiated to train up more trainers to take over our slot. So over the years, I've benefited from it because now I go into schools. I work with two other different organizations, Creative Clusters and creative schools and in that I actually facilitate and advise principals and other schools to work together with artists. So I've worked with Denise on a facilitation basis and Jeannie if I was to count now how many through facilitation to facilitate other teachers and artists to take over my job I suppose effectively I nearly did myself out of a job because I had to train them to take over. That was the initial plan. So I'm back into it now in a more trainer of trainers. So we call it TOTS, T-O-T's, trainer of trainers. So now I'm a facilitator to bring more, I suppose, experience and knowledge into the field of arts and teacher arts partnership across the country. So it's now in 21 education centres across the Ireland of Ireland, which is great, actually. Wonderful. So it had a great ripple effect. Yeah, it did. And it's still growing. So again, we're recruiting more again this year to train and we've moved from a face-to-face platform obviously with COVID to online so now we're training teachers that are actually on the ground working in the classrooms and artists who are doing the same thing but it's a different way to try and get into schools especially with the pandemic and the restrictions that we have at the moment which is great it's adaptable. And before we go into the pandemic and all the changes that requires maybe Denise you can tell us a little bit about one of the projects in the classroom 2017, I think I was one of the group that was trained by Susan and the the other tutors. And it was in a a school in St. Johnson that myself and my partner, she had been trained, went in into another teacher's classroom as such. And I do think the other teacher at the start wasn't quite sure until the thing started to unfold. So in all, there was eight visits to the classroom. That teacher that wasn't sure, she has since trained in the TAP process as well because she could see the difference. I do think there's a slightly different teacher and artist experience so that when they, the teacher can see the artist's mindset, like when I go into a classroom, especially I'm doing poetry or creative writing, I don't know who's the best in the classroom as such, if you know what I mean. You know, I'm hoping to include everybody and the teacher sometimes can sit back and look. And I've had, I have had it said to me, see John there, I'm amazed he took part in this. I think there's kind of nearly, if the student knows that the teacher knows that they're having literacy problems or whatever, sometimes they can sit back a little bit but they they come forward for the artist if we're very lucky. So she was watching the process and watching the students and very much became involved. She now has done a residency. I'm doing another residency with her, hopefully in September and that, and it has changed her mindset quite a lot. And it, it was a gorgeous experience because on our last night and the parents came in and they had done a little booklet and the children all read from their pieces. And at the end, they had done 
group poem about me, myself, and the things I like. And they recited that, each said a line, and I ended up crying in the room. It was just lovely. So I think there is that mutual experience of learning from me and learning for the teacher and getting something good from it. Susan, can you react to that from the teacher's perspective? I have to be honest, my experience was similar to Denise. Carrie Lynham was the artist I worked with, but she came into the classroom. And as you can hear, Denise, nice, beautiful. You are just the most relaxing voice. And Carrie was the same. I think teachers were working at 100 miles an hour, as you can nearly hear by my voice. I'm still, you know, speaking at speed. But it was that sense when she walked in of real calmness and, you know, everything's going to be okay and we'll just take each step as it comes. And I was, you know, in awe at that. But I did definitely had a few really emotional situations in the room. I had one kid who lost his adorned cousin that summer and he hadn't spoken about it. But until we did this process, we were doing tapestry and we were doing fabric and fiber and it was stitching our own stories. So Carrie led us through a scenario and a few series of gathering pieces of um, elements or it could be objects it could have been stories piece of paper anything that was reflective of that individual child's journey or things that they wanted to represent and we represented it then on what was like a pillowcase but our initial need was to actually learn the skill set of sewing so we were just taking on a complete journey of showing how to sew from the process of in and out the sewing frame and different threads, how to thread a needle, practicalities. But then it led on to how to use that process to actually represent an image or a series of images on like a pillowcase. We learned dyeing techniques, all of that. But one of the journeys just to reflect back on was this chap in my class, he lost his cousin at a very young age, idolized him, of course. And he was looking for this particular thread and it was an illuminous color thread. And at the time, illuminous, everything was the trend. Illuminous, yellow, green, pink. And I was like, oh, what is this about? And it was the first time he opened up and explained that the thread actually represented. And he was very articulate. I mean, we were in third class. It was third class at the time. So 10 year old, he was just vibrant in his manner to say, look, my cousin always broke his leg. He played the national sport of hurling. He was always breaking his arm, his wrist. And every time he got a cast, it was a luminous yellow. So on it, he wanted to use that thread to actually represent his cousin on it. And it, I, I said it to the parents afterwards, but they were just, I suppose, bowled over because you can nearly hear my voice already. It was the most emotional time. I don't know. It was kind of inspiring in total. But yeah, I just... I thought it was fantastic. But I also, in the same class, what a dynamic, actually, when I think back on it. I had another kid who was punching the wall, very emotional, social case, and it put him into a serene of tranquility. And when he picked up a needle, he could sit there for hours and just so in, out, in, out. Yeah, outstanding, I have to be honest. I leave it at that emotional note. <laughs> that sounds like magic. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Can you explain why that happens? Do you have any idea? I think it's the combination of, as a teacher, I suppose you're so caught up in your long list of curriculum demands, your list of making sure, you know, you have your certain amount of books done, your subjects are covered, you have your timetable. And you do get caught up in the logistics of what needs to be done as a curriculum. I suppose that goes across any country. You know, you're a teacher, you come in the morning, you have your timetable, the kids are gone and, you know, you have an agenda to meet. But there is a moment in your day when the arts come in and it should be taking that little step back. But instead, you still have a timetable. And when the artists came in, especially Carrie, anyway, in my particular case, she kind of took away the urgency and the need that everything needs to be done yesterday you know so we had a timetable of course she could come because she was driving down actually from Kilkenny which is just over three quarters of an hour away but she drove down and we had her her time but she said look if we don't get this part done today we'll do it the next time and maybe you know you could have a little bit of time during the week and just have sewing time and they can practice their skill set and it was that sense of her understanding and that need to just stop reflect slow down 
and there is actually no need to pressurize and we'll really come to the understanding of what we're doing. And that was something that I think was the magic. It was me letting go completely. I had to just trust and it was a lot to do with that. But the bones of it was that I did actually trust her because of our meeting previously that summer and I did know her. She wasn't just coming into my room for the first time and everything was to know her, know what she was doing, make a plan. It was all very mutual and it was building a relationship. It was building a partnership, really. Denise, how is that for you, the building a partnership? Because you know the teacher already, but then you enter a classroom full of kids that are new. I was thinking from what Susan was saying, that for the artist for this training, it's good for the artist to hear what the teacher is experiencing. It's good for us to realize the teacher has these time limits and expectations and parents' expectations that we don't have. When I go into a classroom, if it's really, really bad, which it has never been, I can just walk back out the door again. And it's good for us to realize that the teacher just can't do that and to have faith in the teacher and that respect. But for the students, I do think you need to want to do this. I do think you need to like children, which not our artists do, <laughs> and that you're not having that big expectation. I think, as I said from the start, my own experience of being in the classroom and struggling helps me. Like when a teacher says to me, I can't believe he said, you know, I just love that. I love when they say something to you and then they smile. I think because I came to it later, I had stayed at home when my children were small. I was a housewife for a long, long time. And part of me thought there must be something more to me. There must be something I can do. And I think because I am enjoying this life so much and the experience of getting it out of other people, that that works in the classroom. They like to be smiled at. They like to be praised. And I can pray. I can go into the room and say, I don't want you worrying about your spelling at this moment. This is a first draft. Listen to what's good. And I listen to what's good. And I praise them as much as I possibly can. And it's a genuine thing. I'm not airy-fairy. But as I say, because I understand the teacher's side of it more now, I can work more against it. I'm not working against her. I'm trying to enhance their knowledge. And it is for them to realize that creativity, they mightn't be poets, but it might trigger something in them. I was talking to a woman yesterday who is an artist. And she said when she was small, she loved books, 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 books. And her mother eventually said to her, look, Pauline, you need to stop looking at picture books. You're too big for picture books. But what it was, was that she was loving, she didn't realize at the time, she was loving looking at the artwork. And we just don't know what's in people until it gradually can be brought out. Hmm. Beautiful. So if I hear you correctly, what you say is through arts education, and maybe that's also what Susan was trying to say, Children show bits of themselves that you wouldn't see as easily in math or language classes. Yeah. And I was in a school and I was doing memories with children. And there was one child that I knew by him. He had kind of literacy problems. And he said, and we were going around the room and he read to me, he said, I remember mommy hurting me. And I thought, ooh. So when I talked to the teacher afterwards, he's living with his grandparents because he had to be taken from the mum. And then there was something else he wrote later on. And I said to the teacher, they knew the situation, but I said to the teacher, he's saying it. He needs counselling or something. There's something more from this situation, you know. And she was surprised the way it had come out. You know, it's just it's one of those moments that has stayed with me. And sometimes that happens and you have to hear it. And I don't know whether it's, you know, the way... If you're on a bus on a very long journey, you could end up telling a stranger your whole life story that you might never tell someone who you know well. And I think it's the same in the classroom. You know, I'm not a therapist. I'm most definitely not a therapist, but sometimes it comes up. And I think, too, there was one other time that a student that was kind of not interacting great, and he left the sheet of paper on the table when he left, and he was secondary school. When I picked up the piece of paper, I've kept it. Because I realized then that his, obviously was dyslexic, but I didn't realize that. And so you realize this thing of, you know, they're trying to show you how they're struggling. And it is a gift when they do. 
it is wonderful when they feel so safe actually that I can show that and maybe the slowing down and holding back or the space holding is influencing that as well I think sometimes, not that I regret, but I'm sorry I didn't start writing until my 30s because it has been life-changing. And I often have thought if someone came into my classroom when I was young and had encouraged this in me, my whole life would have been different. Like I did hotel and catering supervision. <laughs> I ended up working in the hospital here in Letterkenny, going around the wards, trying to see if they had cleaned the rooms properly. I mean, that was 100% the wrong job for me. 100%. I don't care if you've cleaned the room. <laughs> but I just didn't know. I didn't know what I had in me until now. I was thinking because creativity comes in many shapes and sizes and it's something to be discovered, as you just mentioned, along the way and you have to get in touch with it. How would you describe creativity? My job, I suppose, as a teacher is to, I suppose it's hard to compartmentalize it, but I, for me, maths can be very creative. I mean, I have senior infants at the moment, they're age six and seven, and we teach chess. So I teach them chess, I teach them maths games, and we look at how to develop the basic snakes and ladder game, and they create it into whatever type of game they want. It could be three little pigs game, it could be red riding hood game, anything that they're into, whatever takes their interest, Scooby-Doo, whatever cartoon they're watching, they can turn their game into whatever it is. But they're still learning and creating but because they're planning it and they're measuring and they're making sure the spaces are right for the counter. And there's actually an element of crossover of creativity, I think, in every subject and everything we do. I mean, there's nothing in the world, in your kitchen, in your wherever you're listening to this podcast that hasn't been created by a designer of some form or another or some creative mind who thought, wouldn't it be a great idea to put a shiny button on the particular car or, a, you know, whatever it is. Everything is designed and brought about because of a creative mind. My husband's a farmer and the amount of ways he works and thinks of creativity in relation to just daily farming life is actually phenomenal, but he would never associate himself with that. So I think sometimes it's the creative people who really, I suppose, have an acknowledgement that they're creative. So my degree and master's and all of that, I suppose, consolidates by a piece of paper that, yes, I am creative. And I think it's with that that comes, an, I suppose, a security or a sense of confidence to probably pursue the idea that, yes, I'm a little bit creative. Yes, I can see things creatively because I've been acknowledged. It was something that was actually in research with um, Dr. Alva Kenny and Dorothy Marcy. The both, Dr. Dorothy Marcy, the both of them actually researched the difference between secondary school teachers and primary school. And this is probably where where I'm coming from with it. Secondary school teachers, so teachers who teach from the age of 12 up to 18, they have a subject to teach. So they teach maths, they teach geography, they teach art, music, whatever their subject is. But they come as a professional within their particular field of their subject. Whereas primary school teachers, you know, from 12 below, we're, as it was suggested at some point, we're kind of a mix of everything. We're not particularly specialized in a particular area, unless you obviously have done study beforehand, but we're seen as a, they call it jack of all trades. And that comes with it, that sense of, oh, I'm okay at maths. I'm, I'm okay at, you know, teaching languages or literacy. But yeah, I, I prefer teaching something, but we never say we're good at it. <laughs> we always just say, oh, yeah, I prefer teaching art. I really do like teaching that. But we never say, yeah, I'm an excellent teacher at art because we don't have a label. And that's my viewpoint in relation to creativity. It's very recognizable to hear you say that because as an educator, I come into so many schools and classrooms where teachers say I'm not creative and because I cannot draw or because whatever, I always say back that I think they're very creative because they have sometimes 30 children that they get through the day and children are quite difficult to manage as a big group and it requires a lot of creativity, I guess, to get your program done, that curriculum that you have to get through every day. Yeah, it's pure problem-solving and flexibility. Sorry, I would find 
going through now this tab process too, I've, I do find that with teachers, even when we were designing an online course with the, the tab tutors, you know, I was saying, put your name to what you're doing. I've said that to Susan even, put your name to it. Why haven't you owned this or said, I, I did this and that is the, one of the artists, the artists do it. I'm a Leo and it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a Sagittarius, which is worse. Two fire signs. Go, go on. <laughs> I, I find that fascinating that you've just done a video. You haven't named yourself. You know, you're not saying I've done this work. And it is whether it's the training, the lifetime in the classroom, but it's nearly difficult for the teachers to see themselves, as you say, as creative. And they are. They definitely are. And they all have gifts and they have the gifts of educating children and knowing our children, you know. So more specifically, Denise, if you would have a tip for either children or teachers maybe that would like to learn your craft and maybe actually say, yes, I'm creative in writing, what would your advice be? My advice would be write, <laughs> write and read. But when you write a piece, see what's good in it. If you write a whole page, see what's good. And then you can improve it if you want to. But we always look at it and say, oh, I spelt that wrong or I did that wrong or that's stupid or whatever. See what's good. See what's good. Find the spark in yourself. I hear you say that. See what's good. But for me as a non-writer, I can look at my texts, but how do I see what's good? <laughs> but yeah, but so you've just proved my point. <laughs> you called yourself a non-writer, you know, and, and I think it's just... We have, sorry to blame teachers, but, but not even teachers, we have this voice sitting on our shoulder saying, oh, no, 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 that's not good. That's not good. And such and such a one did it better. Or you're, you're a non-writer, as you say. I think we need to find it, even if it's only one word to say, oh, that's a nice idea. I like that idea. That's good. I can do something with that. Just feel the joy in it. Feel the spark. This is our life. This is the talents we've been given. You know, I don't know, for the Irish, I know definitely that for a long time there was this put down, you know, getting carried away with yourself. But at this stage, I'm older, I'm a grandmother, I'm just enjoying it at this stage. It feels good. Every time I write a new poem, when I first write it, it is the best poem ever written. And I go up the town and I think, I wrote a poem today and I'm just so pleased. Of course, when I come back and look at it again, it's not, and it needs work and that... But it's, it's that moment of joy that I've discovered that I didn't have before that I've discovered now. And if we can give that joy, that spark, help the children find it in themselves when they are children, it would be life changing. And it is life changing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I know, I know a son of mine, he did sciences and he went to college and he went to do medicine or something. And then he realized that now he's doing coffee roasting and he's doing food and he's doing all kinds of creative things. But it took him a good while to find it in himself. And I think the tap process helps him find it sooner. Wonderful. We're, uh, it's a little bit of an ad hoc question maybe, but would you consider sharing one of your poems? Yeah, I'll find a book. <laughs> then while you're looking for your book maybe susan can i ask you the tap process is of course between one teacher and one artist but could you maybe reflect a little on how it affects the rest of the teachers in the team in the school it's kind of an ongoing process really as we all know change is very slow in all institutions i mean Let's be honest, Ireland signed over, what was it, 1992, I think it was, the idea of pupil voice or that children should have a voice in the actions that affect them or there was some moment in that document, but that was nearly 30 years ago. And even today, it's slowly changing in schools. It just takes time. But even when myself and Carrie were working together, and I'm on this process, like I said, since 2014, I suppose. It just takes time. So it's through things like, you know, our work in the classroom with Carrie or whatever artist actually comes into the room. But it's providing that element of partnership where you're trusting in whoever it is. So sometimes we have students come into our class. So it actually has a, it's a transferable skill. 
it's not just between that artist and teacher that you initially formed the bond with, but you've learned now all of a sudden that skill to, you know, let go. So if a student teacher does come into the classroom, you know, you're there to guide, but you're also there to help and work with and learn from and, you know, give and take. And it actually has helped with my entire alternative figures coming into my room, whoever that may be. Sometimes we have coaches, you know, PE coaches that come in and they do GA, which is the Irish sport over here, and they take the kids out. But there's always that element where I'm learning from them. So it is slow, but it goes through things like, you know, when you put your piece of work up onto the wall or you perform a play where the children have written it and they've made the props for it and then they've decided what the score is going to be or the choreography for the dance moves. And, you know, other teachers see this and then you're verbalizing it over a cup of tea in the staff room and they're going, really? Did the kids actually? I said, yeah, they did that from scratch. And it's those small little conversations that happen in the staff room and those little glances on the wall when they see what, you know, beautiful written piece that they've done and they're all individual and they're not all the same because they came from a photocopier or because they came from some, you know, generalized website that we get lots of ideas from. It's actually just from the kids. And there's a stimulus there, but the stimulus can be from the curriculum, but it doesn't necessarily have to all be teacher led, you know, teacher provoked, teacher produced. And I think that's changed the nature in my school over the years I've been there. But it's not to be... I suppose, hammering it down people's throats because I suppose like anything, you know, people have to make decisions for themselves and what way they work best. And some teachers are not able, you know, to let go. And that's okay as well. I suppose that's what's the beauty of primary school and secondary school and teachers in general. You get a flavor for different personalities as you go through. And, you know, some kids like that and some kids, you know, like alternatives. Definitely. And maybe for our fellow teachers in Europe that don't have the privilege of having an artist in the classroom just yet, could you improvise some tips on how they could start? I tell you, the COVID, as horrendous as it has been, it has opened up so many opportunities. I'm working with a school at the moment who had basically... I'm the advisor for the school and I sit in and I provide them with meetings, you know, after school and they have their meetings, whatever. And, we're, and I'm a facilitator more so than a dictator. I'm not into the, I just probe out a question and see what happens. And then I reflect on their answers and, you know, that kind of stuff. But we're working with the school and I'm trying to get the kids' voices to come across. What would the kids like? So I did do a visit to the school and I was, you know, modeling how to, obtain the voice by showing different activities in the room we did lots of images for the younger kids so they could pick and choose ideas that they thought they'd like to do ceramics they'd like to do music they'd like to do gaming on computer work so it was a choice that they had to categorize and then as it goes up through the years I combined words and images you know just for the differentiation but in the end the children chose cookery (laughs) which really was a little bit mind-blowing because we were looking at the arts and cookery on reflection is very much the arts except in primary school it doesn't really in Ireland anyway we don't have school dinners or anything like that in most of our schools so a kitchen facility is not really something that you'd see in every other school so this was a big no-no. This school had thought it was going to have a lovely mural or they were even open to a skate park in the playground. I mean, it was fine. There was loads of ideas, but a kitchen was not one of them. But they had the funding. They set up a kitchen. So in the last year, they have had a whole kitchen and the whole opportunity has opened up that COVID was a little bit restricted. We couldn't get people in. So they're currently in the process of ringing up and trying to do Zoom communication with chefs in different parts of the country, which is something that really beforehand wouldn't even have been a thought process. It would have been a local chef in the community, see if they could come into the school, have a chat with the kids, maybe talk about what they do, and then off they go again. Whereas this is going to open up so many opportunities. You know, writing a letter, sending an email, you know, is your business available? We have students here really interested in ceramics. They're really interested in filmmaking. What could you tell us? You would be amazed at the people, especially artists in their art form, who want to share their knowledge and are really quite, I suppose, proud to be chosen in the first place. 
to share with kids. And like Denise was saying earlier, you don't really know what their experiences was in school. And this could be their moment in their life to give back or to make a difference in a completely different way. So, yeah, that's where I would be starting. It's a bigger world than we thought pre-COVID, I tell you. (laughs) (laughs) It's beautiful how you just in this little story have proven how creativity is necessary in crisis and how it can turn something that is not nice, for example, the pandemic, into opportunity. Yeah. Today I'm joined by Ruby and Sky from Ireland. We've just spoken to Susan and Susan was their teacher in the fifth grade and that is a little while ago. I'm very happy that you girls wanted to talk to me. So hi. Hello. Hi. Ruby, could you tell us a little bit about who you are? Hello, I'm Ruby and I'm from Waterbridge, Ireland. I'm 15 years old and I'm here joined by Sky to tell ye about our TAP project. Okay, thank you. And Sky, where do you live in Ireland? I live in Butlerstown. That's where Ruby lives as well. Cool. So Susan was your teacher, and how many years ago was that, approximately? I'd say six years, maybe. Maybe, yeah, six. Okay, okay. So you must have been around nine then, ten. Yeah, around that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Like you said, Ruby, we're going to talk a little bit about TAP, the Teacher Artist Partnership Program. What is the first thing that comes to your mind, trying to remember what happened? We did a lot of sewing. We learned how to sew. Okay. Can you tell us who did your teacher work with? Was it Carrie? Yeah. Yeah, Carrie. She's an artist. That's why she came in. I think she does painting. We were given a pillowcase and we learned how to tie-dye it, the colour we wanted, and then we were allowed to sew on pieces onto the pillowcase. Applique technique. Yeah. Cool. I'm familiar with sewing and especially when you do it with hands, it takes a long time. How much time did you put into it? We made a couple of weeks out of the project because hand sewing does take a lot longer. We've done it through tapestry. I think you're allowed to do something like meaningful or something to you. It was more like about you and you're allowed to put it down onto the art piece. I can just, I I think that was what it was. Okay. Can you tell me what the design assignment was? It was things to do with your family and what's important to you. Yeah. Oh, that's such a nice assignment. Can you still remember or maybe even have the pillowcase still? Yeah, I do. Ah, that's so nice. What did you put on your pillowcase? I put my family crest on it. So my mother's name is Roach. So I put the Roach emblem on it. And my grandma's favorite flower was a daffodil. So I put a daffodil down on it. And I do a lot of swimming and I live close to the sea. So I put down waves. Sounds very nice. And did you know all these things or did you do some research? I had to do research on the Roach crest because... I was going to do O'Neill as my second name, but that was very difficult, so I went <laughs> I can imagine, especially if it's the first time you're going to do the hand sewing, then that's, that sounds like a smart choice. Yeah. And how did you find out about your grandmother's favorite flower? I had to ask my dad, and then my dad had to ask my granny, because my granny is living away. What a nice story. And is it still being used? I think my granny actually has it. I think I sent it away to her. So, Ah, oh, that's so yeah. cute. <laughs> she must hold it dear. Yeah. <laughs> so Sky, what did you decide to do? I did a rose that my mum has tattooed on her wrist. And then I did, I think it was my communion bracelets that I still wore. Okay. And why did you choose for the tattoo on your mother's wrist? I just remember when she'd got it done and I was always liked it. So I just said I'd try it. Okay. And did it work out? Yeah, she did. Oh, that's so nice. So, of course, when you have a project with arts in school, teachers and artists, hopefully as well, they want you to learn something. What did you take away from the project? Maybe first, Ruby? 
Well, first I learned how to sew and it comes in handy in many ways. And I learned that everything takes time. So you couldn't just sew one piece straight away. You had to figure out how to do it, then draw it out on your piece, and then you have to sew it down. So everything takes time. Okay. That's a nice thing to learn, that things take time. Yeah, <laughs> With the smartphones we have nowadays, everything is very quick, but the, these techniques are so different. Yeah. <laughs> and Sky, can you tell me something? What you took away? Learning to sew is, is easy. Well, not easy, but now it's easy to like stop like clothes that you rip. <laughs> so it's handy. <laughs> and then it's just time consuming. You'd have to be patient with it and not rush it. As well as like Ruby said, it's a lot of practice and stuff. And is that something that if you do some new subjects or you start some new projects that you still think back to that project and accept it a little bit more? Yeah, like it will come eventually. It just takes time. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, most of the times when you have an art project, creativity is also a part of it. Like thinking about what you're going to make and when you design, both the things that you put on the pillow are quite symbolic, but you have to, of course draw it and think about what it means to you how do you think you were being creative in this project I think you just had to think outside the box and learn more about yourself by going into what you like and being able to put it down on a piece of work okay that's very nice yeah thinking and learning about yourself Ruby is there anything you can add to that yeah you did learn about yourself and like me I tapped into my background of my family so that made me learn a lot more about my family And now you're in secondary school. This was five years ago. How do you use creativity in your current subject? Well, me and Sky both chose art for our three junior cert years. We both had to do art three times a week. Wow. So we were constantly tapping into our creativity then. Beautiful. So three times a week. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. When I was in secondary, we only had one hour, I guess. Maybe two. But not three times a week. (laughs) If only. (laughs) And what kind of things do you learn now? We learn a lot about textures and how to paint, you know, using the right colors first. Okay. So mainly visual arts techniques. Yeah. And is it working with a teacher or is it an artist that is teaching you? A teacher. She's an artist as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's nice. nice. Um, Sky, if creativity would be a subject, how do you think a class would look? Like an art class, being able to write and draw and express yourself down and art, like I think it'd just be like that. And Ruby, are there other places in your study or in your life that you think creativity is helpful? And if so, what parts of your life? I think creativity is everywhere. And I think that looking around you you see textures and your brain is constantly thinking what you don't realize and when you tap into that you can explore everything so I think that everywhere you go you have to think outside the box that's a nice answer yeah thank you for that so if we go back a little bit to the tap program Susan was working together with an artist how would you say the cooperation between them was working They worked really well together because Susan loved art and she loved doing the project as well. So like they really worked really well. Okay, that's nice. One last question. In relation to uh, creative endeavors, what would you wish for yourself and uh, the subject creativity for the future? I would hope that I carry on art in my leaving cert because that would get me into college as well. And I'd like to expand into an art job okay so it's gonna be a profession for you as well hopefully yeah hopefully and have you got any idea in which discipline it might be um i'd like to be an art teacher and history teacher so hopefully i could engage in both them and learn history through art that's very nice you probably will be fine getting in <laughs> if you like yeah. it. And how about you, Sky? I'll continue doing art for a leaving cert as well, like Ruby said. And I think I'd like to take up sewing and fashion and try work through that way because I really like sewing. So that first project did spark a talent or an interest. <laughs> cool. That's so nice. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you. Thank you.
Oh, Denise, did you find the book? Yeah. Well, I found, I actually found, I found a book. Well, I keep talking, Denise, give you a no, little no, bit I'm more. <laughs> I have, I definitely, as we all talk about this since March 2020, I have found it difficult to write, actually, because the thing was just too huge. But I started taking photographs a lot more, and that was the creative thing. I noticed things more than I had before, which calmed me down, especially when you're worrying in this time. So this is in mind. Take it to the smallest moment, to the point where a red berry stems from the barren holly branch, back to the grains of sun-dried sand before coiling waves wash ashore, to the slightest turn as whooper swans circle overhead, flowing homewards, to the pause when a wild rabbit sees you watching him before he scarpers, to soft lace of snow over Aragal, the melt of sunset on Malin's horizon, a wolf moon floating on the Lennon, to the first notes of a Springsteen song, the smell of coffee beans from the bag, a paintful brush touching a blank canvas, to each colour as a rainbow appears, to every time a child says your name, to a thought that takes hold when a poem unfolds, to a bowed head before a prayer. Take it to the smallest moment. Breathe. No. <laughs> Wonderful. Emotional, that one. That's beautiful. That is beautiful, yeah. I'm afraid there is a kind of a Springsteen theme goes through a lot of my writing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That was lovely. I actually brought me on a journey there, Denise. <laughs> Just when we talked about the teachers and all that, I think there is a grace in teachers that allow an artist to come into the room and suddenly throw everything up in the air and not to be threatened by it. It's something very, it's a, a kindness from the teachers to do that and to stand back and say oh I didn't realize Mary could do that or whatever you know it takes courage to do that yes it also resonates with the observing more closely yeah and the artist has to respect that this is their world but in saying that I think you know it definitely goes the other way like you said there Denise a teacher has to you know when an artist comes in we, I mean we've had this conversation before you know where it, a teacher sees it nearly as respite time you know, and another adult is in the room who has a skill set, I'll sit back. But that doesn't always happen. I've had it where, you know, it's happened other ways. So it's not a common norm, but it is to have that consideration for both parties. And that's really what the partnership does. You know, the teacher-artist partnership, it actually acknowledges, look, just because I'm in doesn't mean you sit back. And just because, you know, you're in, I won't be just, you know, prepping my stuff that I need for the lesson or whatever. It's that kind of, you know, mutual understanding. You need to be, you know, actively engaged. And it's a learning, isn't it? Like you said, I learn from the artist's ideas and skills and then vice versa. Yeah. It's also about being present and being able to join the forces and give space to each other. Yeah, really important. Yeah. Thank you so much for everything already. We've heard so many wonderful and inspiring stories, but maybe there's one question that I haven't asked, and that's the last one. <laughs> Is there anything we didn't ask you that you feel you would like to say or share to our listeners? Yeah, I suppose my final word, if it is a final word, is that ability to actually realize this, you know, your time comes and a class moves on and has experience with another teacher. So you just kind of give what you can for that moment, it, not only in the kid's life, but also in your life. You know, everyone has things going on in their lives at different points in their lives. But it's to remember that that moment could be as Denise mentioned earlier, it could be a changing point in that child's life for the rest of their life. I actually had another kid in my class who started sewing, a really quiet kid, beautiful child. And she did sewing, but she left my room, as I just said there, and she went on and she was in, you know, fifth class, sixth class and sixth class. She entered a competition. It was for Sight Savers, you know, the big organization. And one of the judges was actually an Academy Award nominee in Ireland for textiles. And she noticed her entry and her entry actually was 
a site poster you know the site posters where you have the letters at the top and your name and the letters get smaller as you go down you know just to see but she did it in stitch and fabric and she stitched it but she had everything the same color so that it was touch you could just touch the site savers letters and it was visually amazing she didn't get the prize but she got personal recommendation and nomination from this lady and it was just she came in to me personally to show me and showed me the letter and all of that so you know she wanted to share it with me and I again it was one of those moments where I said doesn't surprise me absolutely doesn't surprise me your dedication and your enthusiasm and she's gone off actually to secondary school and that's her passion at the moment is sewing and stitching and all of that so yeah it doesn't really leave you because if it did I wouldn't be able to share those stories so um that's what life is about really isn't it making stories (laughs) it's very touching Manya would you like to have a last word yes well it's not only about making stories but in case of this podcast about sharing them and hopefully with the stories we can create a ripple effect and inspire more teachers and artists to work together to create those moments for children thank you so much both of you for your time and the wonderful stories Thank you. It was great. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to Tapping into Creativity. In our show notes, you can find more information about our guests and the subjects that were discussed in this interview. If you like what you heard, you can help us reach many more listeners by hitting the subscribe button, giving us a five-star review, and sharing the podcast with your friends and colleagues. Tapping into creativity is part of ITAPPD, which is short for International Teacher-Artist Partnership Professional Development. We are currently building a model and training about partnerships between teachers and artists in education. ITAPPD facilitates a place and time where we can jointly develop our understanding expertise and creativity on working with young people. We explore and play with the different perspectives teachers and artists have on behavior, development and language. If you want to know more about our project ITAPPD, please visit the show notes. This podcast was made possible by funding from the Erasmus Plus Strategic Partnership Program. Partners in ITPD are the Education Center in Tralee, Center za Dramu u Edukaciji i Umetnosti, CEDEUM, Panellinio Dictio, Yeto Theatros de Nekpedes. Stichting Copa, Kunsteducatie. We were your hosts, Manja and Linda, from Stichting Copa in the Netherlands. Audio editing was done by Yalda Shahidi. We hope you tap in with us again. Have a nice day!